Well, it's September now, of course, so we're starting a new sermon series. This sermon series is from the book of Joshua. It's called Seeds of Faith. And I'm wondering this morning as we start this series, is there any area of your life where you feel weak or you feel timid? Is there a part of your life where you say, I wish I just had more strength in that area of my life or I wish I just had more courage? It takes courage to choose to trust in Jesus when your life has been nothing but difficult and painful over the last years. It takes courage to continue to believe in God in seasons like that. It takes courage to end an unhealthy relationship. Some of you know what that's like. You were in an unhealthy dating relationship or some other kind of relationship. You finally got the strength to end that toxic relationship. It takes courage to continue loving that friend or that family member when they're struggling as they continue to make poor choices and a part of you wants to just give up on them. And uh, someone's excited to get back on stage. He's ready to pray. <laughs> so it takes courage to continue to believe and trust that God can work a miracle in their life and that their situation can turn around. It takes courage to deal with a three-year-old who is having a meltdown in aisle 24. Anybody know that, right? It takes courage to deal with that. It takes strength and courage to talk to your friend and your neighbor about Jesus. It takes courage to invite your friend or your neighbor, hey, come to church with me and join me in church and just see what God ha might have to say to you. We kind of tend to think in Canada that part of our faith is private and we need to let people make their own decisions, and yet eternity hangs in the balance, and it takes courage to look for that moment to speak to your neighbor and let them know about your faith in Jesus and what he's done in your life. Is there any area of your life where you feel weak or you feel timid? Well, the good news is that you're not alone if you feel that way. In fact, you're in great company if you feel that way sometimes. The book of Joshua is the story of a man who had an incredible challenge ahead of him. In the first chapter of this book, Joshua is being installed as the new leader of Israel. In the story so far, Moses has been the leader, and Moses is the one who received the Ten Commandments directly from God. Moses is the one who heard from God out of a burning bush. He's the one who led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. That Moses, right? That Moses is gone now, and leadership has been transferred over to Joshua, and God says to Joshua after Moses passed away, says, my servant Moses is dead, therefore the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. Now this is a big deal, and the story goes back as far as the time of Abraham. Abraham had this incredible faith in God. God would nudge Abraham's heart, and Abraham would respond, God wanted Abraham to leave the place where he, was, where he lived and to go to another place that he was going to show him. So Abraham, just based on this hunch, based on this sense that God was leading him, uh, God was nudging him and calling him to pick up and move and to go to a new land. And his decision to say yes to God became one of the seeds of faith that becomes part of Joshua's story. And when Abraham finally arrived in the land, he was maybe surprised to see that this land had people in it. And God said, one day this land is going to be yours. You see, the people who live in this land, I've been calling to them, I've been speaking to them, but they refuse to listen to my voice. And they've hardened their hearts to my voice, and they continue to do evil in my eyes. 
So one day I'm going to give you this land to your descendants. And now it's 400 years later. And God says it's time for Israel to take their inheritance in the promised land. And what that means is the current residents of the land have had their chance. They've had 400 years to repent and to, and yet they continue to do what is evil in God's eyes. And so I'm giving you this land. And that's setting the stage for us to see what's about to happen in the book of Joshua here. And there's two things that are going on in the book of Joshua. First thing is that God is doing justice against the current residents of the land because they continue to do evil, because they have refused to repent of their ways. So God is about to bring justice to them. And I find it interesting that the critics who like to complain that God is asking Joshua to enter into warfare to bring justice are also the same critics who say, well, how can I believe in God, who, a God who allows evil to exist on the earth, right? So they're complaining about both sides of the same coin, almost as if they're looking for an excuse simply to not believe in God. So God is asking Joshua to administer justice on the people of the land for the evil that they have done for generations I'm going to talk a little bit in next week about some of the evil that they were doing in the land that caused God to take this action. Uh, the second thing that's happening in this story is that God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. So God is doing justice, and God is bringing justice to evil, and God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. God says to Joshua, I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. God says to Joshua, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. Moses led them to the edge of the promised land, and now Joshua, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. Last week, we talked about the verse in Philippians 4 that says, I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. Now God promises Joshua something very similar. He says, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. We see this happen all throughout the Bible when God first asks somebody to do something. They never say, oh yeah, you know, I can do that, no problem. When God first appeared to Moses, Moses' initial response was, not me. I am not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. You want my brother Aaron. He is a great speaker. He's a great leader. You need to use him. Later on, God says to a guy named Gideon, uh, and, and you need to do this. And, God, and Gideon says, I'm too weak. I mean, I'm the least of, of the least clan in all of Israel, and I'm the least in all of my family and you've got the wrong guy. Abraham said he was too old. Um, Jeremiah said he was too young. Isaiah said he was too sinful. And King Saul, uh, God asked King Saul to be king of Israel. On the day of his coronation, he was hiding in the luggage, <laughs> right? Like on the day of his coronation, they're about to introduce King Saul and anoint him to be king. And he's hiding in the luggage. They're like, hey, this is your new king. And he's like, where is he? And he comes out, he's like embarrassed, and they're like, yeah, you know, this is your new king. He's going to lead you on. Every time God calls somebody to lead, they never say, oh, I got this. They always say, no, God, I'm too weak. I'm too timid. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too sinful. I've got too much baggage. And every single time God looks at them and says, I need you to do this. 
doesn't matter, I'm calling you to do this. Is there anything in your life that you sense that God is asking you to do right now in this season, in this moment of your life? Maybe you just have this sense that God is wanting you to write something or to teach something or to lead something and you say, not me, God. I don't have what it takes. I don't have the right words. I don't know if I can do that. God, you should choose somebody else. In today's day and age, God doesn't call us to start wars. Uh, Jesus kind of ended that when he commanded us to love our neighbors and pray for those who are, love our enemies and pray for those who are against us. So in today's day and age, God's not gonna call you to start a war, but we are still called to bring justice and do justice. We're called to walk into situations where injustice is happening and work together with other people to bring about justice. Maybe God has a situation in your life where someone that you know, somebody in your life, somebody that you work with, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, and they're facing an uphill battle getting justice for something in their life. And maybe God is calling you to stand with them and help them to get fair treatment. That takes strength. That takes courage because it would be easier to just watch from the sidelines and say, okay, you know, sorry that you're going through this. I just, you know, praying for you and hope it goes well. And it takes courage to stand with them and to fight and help them to get fair treatment. Maybe that person is new to Canada and they are struggling. There's one time it happened, um, one of our new Canadians came to our office, uh, this was a couple of years ago, and they had signed up for the wrong cell phone plan. And they had a bunch of family in the States and they were calling the States and their first bill came back and it was over a thousand dollars. And they just were in tears. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't understand. This isn't the way our cell phones work in our, where I'm from and I can't afford to pay this bill. Can you please help me? And so one of our pastors went to bat for them and stood with them and helped them to find justice with the telephone company and spent hours on the phone and talking about the situation and talking to managers and figuring it out and were able to get their phone bill down to something more reasonable and onto a better plan and all of that. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs help like that and they need someone to help bring justice to a situation that they're facing. Maybe there's somebody in your life and you need to confront something that's going on in their life, something that's gonna lead them down the wrong path and some, something that's gonna lead to harm for their family, for themselves personally, and you need to confront them and God is calling you and God is putting it on your heart and mind. You need to talk to them. You need to confront them in love about this situation. But you just say, God, I'm too timid. God, I'm too weak. God, I can't do that. In the Bible, every time God asked somebody to do something significant like that, they said, I can't. And God said, just do it. Just go. And then he added these words, I'm going to go with you. I will not abandon you. I will be walking with you. Notice God says to Joshua, he says, I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. Oftentimes in my life, when I've had uh, a kind of attitude where I say, oh, that's easy, you know, I can do that, you know, I've done that before, or I've preached that sermon before, or I've done that thing before, if I've had that attitude, I go into it with that attitude, it doesn't go well. 
and it doesn't work out well, and God just doesn't seem to show up in the same way. But other times when I reach out to God by faith and just say, God, I need you. God, I can't do this. God, I need your strength. God, I need your Holy Spirit to fill me. God, I need you in this meeting. God, I need you in this situation. God, I need you to answer this prayer. God, would you come and would you help? I can't do it without you. And when I have that attitude, when I have that heart, God shows up. I've never felt ready, and probably none of you have felt ready for whatever God has called you into. And it seems like Joshua was the same way because God had to repeat himself three times here. Look at what it says. It says, be strong and courageous. That's verse six. And then it says, um, be strong and very courageous. And then God goes on to say, be, I command you, be strong and courageous. Three different times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. The Bible doesn't record Joshua's response, but you can almost sense that maybe Joshua needs this gentle, consistent reminder. I am with you. You can do this. Be strong and courageous. Why else would God have to repeat it three times? And notice that it amplifies each time. Be strong. Be very strong. I command you. Be strong. You say, I'm too weak, I'm too timid, I'm too old, I'm too young, I've got too much sin in my past, I've got too much going on in my life. God might look at you and say, be strong and very courageous. And you say, well, I'm not eloquent, I'm not good with words, I'm so lost right now in my life, I'm so broken right now, I've got so much anxiety in my life that, over things that are going on, I have a disability, I just can't do this, and God might be saying to you, I commend you, be strong, and courageous, or maybe you're in a transition right now, you're, you're moving to a new job, you're moving to a new role, you're moving to a new city, you've moved to a new city, you're dealing with something that's going on in your life, something personal. I believe that God might wanna say to you today, be strong and courageous. But just telling somebody be strong and courageous actually doesn't make you strong and courageous, right? Like, just like, be strong and courageous. Okay, I'm going out and now I'm gonna be strong and courageous. Uh, it's kind of like that counselor in the video. Uh, kind of, there's this video meme that went around years ago. Is this counselor and his client is like, oh, I'm so depressed. And he's like, just stop it. Just stop being depressed. And he's like, oh, I got so much anxiety. Just stop it. Just stop worrying, right? Doesn't help just to say, Stop it, doesn't help just to say, be strong and courageous, okay, end of sermon, go home. But there's three ways in this, these verses that God tells Joshua that can help him to make him strong and courageous. Here's the first one, he says, obey the commands of God. So he says, be strong and courageous, but look at what God says next, he says, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate that from them turning to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything that you do. I love that phrase, do not deviate. Another translation says, do not turn away. Have you ever seen somebody turn away from or deviate from what they knew God was calling them to do? I've talked to people who say, you know, I knew what I was supposed to do in that moment, but in that moment I didn't care, and I just did the wrong thing anyway. I knew I shouldn't have been at that party. I knew I shouldn't have been hanging out with that group of friends. I knew I just shouldn't have been there, but I, I didn't obey this inner prompting that I had from God, this inner knowing that I had from God, and I messed up. 
I knew I shouldn't have said those words. I knew I shouldn't have sent that email. I should have just paused and just stopped and thought about it. A few years ago now, there was a pitching scandal in Major League Baseball, and the team that ended up cheating also ended up winning the World Series that year. And it was discovered later on that the Houston Astros had a camera in center field and the camera was pointed towards the catcher and they were able to read the signs that the catcher was giving the pitcher and that enabled them to know when a changeup was coming. A changeup is a slower pitch and it's a more hittable pitch, but if you don't know it's coming, if you think a fastball's coming, you're gonna strike out. So when a changeup was coming, they, they signaled somebody in the dugout and somebody banged a garbage can lid in the dugout and that alerted the hitter that a changeup was coming. It was a slower pitch. It was one that they would be able to hit. It was interesting that apparently the Astros manager was uneasy about this the whole time. And in fact, two different times he went out to center field and he tried to disable the camera, but he wasn't able to do it. But never once did he stand up in front of his team and say, this is wrong. We need to stop doing this. This is cheating. And now he, he lost his job shortly after when the scandal kind of came out. He's got a World Series title. It's got an asterisk beside it. It's a tainted title. Is there something in your life right now that you feel uneasy about? There's just something going on in your spirit and you just know, I don't think I should be doing this right now. There's just something that makes you uneasy about something that maybe your wife or your kids or somebody that you're close to is, is a part of and you can just sense it. There's something going on in your life right now. How many more successful people have to lose their reputations because of sexual harassment? How many more men and women have to lose their marriage because of infidelity? How many more successful leaders have to lose their job because of financial mistakes? God says to Joshua, if you want to be a leader, if there's, if you, there's something that you know you're supposed to do, then do it. And here's how this relates to being stronger and more courageous. When you obey God, your obedience muscles grow stronger. Every time you obey God, every time you say yes to, to God, you grow in strength, in obedience. When you say, you know, I know what I'm supposed to do, I know I'm supposed to obey God, and you do it, you get stronger every single time. Here's the second way that you become strong and courageous. Read the word of God. I love this. It, it, this is what God says to Joshua next. He says, study the word of God. That was the Bible for Joshua. That was the first five books of the Bible. And Moses had compiled the stories from Genesis. And Moses had uh, written out uh, the stories of Exodus and, and uh, Leviticus and Numbers. And he says, study the words of this book continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written. Only then will you succeed and prosper in all you do. What if I told you that there's two things that will bring success in life? Obey the commands of God and read the word of God. Would you choose to do those two things? And notice he doesn't say education. Education is important, but we all know people who have degrees and education and they've made a mess of their lives. That's not what leads a person to success. God says to Joshua, if you want to succeed, if you want to prosper, here's what you need to do. 
study this book. You need to meditate on this book. The word meditate, when it's used in the Bible like this, it refers to a filling of the mind. Sometimes in our culture, the word meditate refers to an emptying of the mind, but the word meditate here refers to a filling of the mind. It means to fill your mind with something. So fill your mind with God's word and meditate on it. It also is the word that's used for a cow that's chewing its cut. Uh, I don't know if you know much about cows. This is a little bit gross. Uh, Some of you might like this, but cows, they have four stomachs. And so they chew on something and it goes into one of their stomachs and then they belch it back out and they chew on it again and it goes into another of their stomachs, right? So they're chewing their cud. They're literally throwing it up, chewing it, and then putting it back into another stomach. A little bit gross. That's why cows are gross, but they're good Um, on a plate, in a restaurant, uh, but they are good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I heard a story this week where a person was making a, a renewed commitment to God and they wanted to renew their commitment to God's word and they decided they were gonna put a v- verse beside their bed every night before they went to bed and then in the morning they were gonna grab that verse. So maybe it was on their phone, maybe it was on a piece of paper, whatever, and they were gonna s- just meditate on that verse before they got out of bed. So their alarm rang and they, they just wanted the first thought they had to be God's word. And so verses like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or in my weakness, God's grace is sufficient for me. Or today is the day that the Lord has made. I will choose to rejoice and I will be glad in it. You start your day with verses like that, that's a game changer. That's a game changer for how your day goes. You know, you start the first day of school like that, moms and dads, that's a game changer for how your day goes. You start your day like that, kids, as you go to school, that's a game changer on, on how your day goes as you start school. There's so many different voices that are competing with us right now. Um, I don't know if, has anybody ever been to a drive-through when you're in the driver's seat and there's like four or five people in the car telling you their order and then there's the person on the machine and they're like asking you all these questions and you're caught in the middle of all of these voices. Anybody been there, done that? Apparently I'm very bad at that because every time we've left the drive-thru, my kids always bug me and say like, dad, you're like the worst at that. You know, mom should be driving when we go through the drive-thru because like you're the worst at that. And and, uh, it's because there's all of these voices going on in my head and I'm like, what, you know, I don't know, you want this with no pickles, you want this with no onions, we want this with a lettuce wrap, you want, you want to know if there's soy in this, you know, all, this, all these kind of questions. I don't know, like, I just go like, pop a burger, onion rings, root beer, right? Like, that's all I do. So, you know, but that's what it is in life sometimes, right? So if you're on Twitter, or as it wants to be called now, X, uh, then, uh, you know, you're on Facebook and, and all it is is opinions. All it is is other people's voices. And then you go talk to your coach or your coworker or your family member or your brother or your sister and you have all of these voices except God's voice. And they're competing voices that are just speaking and speaking and speaking and telling you what to do and telling you what to think and telling you how to think and telling you what's right and telling you what's wrong. But most often God doesn't yell, God whispers. And to hear God's voice, we need to stop and we need to lean in. And 
Maybe you need to just close the door and put on some worship music and just fall on your knees and just say, God, speak to me. God, I need you. God, I need to be strong and courageous for my kids, for my husband, for my wife, for my employees. God, I need you to speak to me. I need to hear your voice. Third thing is this, know that God is with you. So these are, I mean, these are really, really simple. It's actually, it's really hard to be strong and courageous, but the three things that can help you get there are really, really simple. Obey the word of God, read the word of God, and know that God is with you. Here's what God says next to Joshua. He says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many of us are afraid or discouraged? We live in an atmosphere of fear right now. There's so many things going on in the world around us and it can be so easy to be afraid and yet God tells us, I am with you. David wrote this in Psalm 139. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the depths, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your right hand will guide me and your strength will support me. So you can trust and you can know that God is with you. He's with you in the boardroom. He's with you in the baby room. He's with you on the basketball court. He's with you at church. He's with you at school. He's with you in the joy. He's with you in the pain. When you are afraid, God is with you. When you're discouraged, God is with you. God is with you. I want to close with this story before I invite Pastor Jamie to come up for communion, but it's a pastor that I heard speak one time many years ago, and he tells this story. He was at a hockey game. And he's kind of, uh, you know, about my height, really, really thin guy and, uh, and kind of wiry build. And he sees a guy ahead of him who is um, verbally abusing and really making the hockey game really painful and difficult for some people in front of him. And so he's sitting there going, somebody needs to stand up to this guy. Somebody needs to tell him, like, you just can't do this, please stop. And so he finally summons up the courage and he prays and he's like, God, would you come and help me? I need to be strong, I need to do this, but I need to stand up for these, these folks. So he taps this guy on the shoulder. He says, excuse me, you need to stop doing that. That's rude, that's, that's offensive, that's harmful. You need to stop doing that. That's, there's no call for that. And this guy gets up and he's this like burly guy. He's like, you talking to me? And he's thinking, okay, I'm gonna get punched right now. <laughs> and suddenly the guy looks and a look of fear comes over his face and he sits back down. And the guy turns around, pastor turns around and there was this huge linebacker dude that had got up and stood behind him basically saying, if you go after him, you're coming after me. And that's an image of what it's like to have God with you. That's an image of what it's like when you choose to be strong and courageous, that's an image of what happens. 
God is with you. God is standing behind you. God is standing before you. God is standing around you. God is all over the place in that situation. And sometimes we let fear cause us to delay the blessings of God. Moses let fear stop him from going into the promised land the first time. Don't let fear rob you of the blessings of God. Don't let fear delay the blessings of God in your life. Sometimes you need to just be strong and courageous and trust that God is with you and that God is watching over you. They knew that if God was with them, no one could stand against them. Just gonna skip over this, but I'll just say this really quickly. These 10 spies, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. As they were entering into the promised land, they saw themselves, we felt like grasshoppers, we can't do this. Don't let yourself feel like a grasshopper. God is with you. If God is with you, then no one can stand against you. I wanna invite Pastor Jamie up. He's gonna lead us through communion. We'll pick this up again next week as we continue on in this series from Joshua.